this episode of the Tennis IQ Podcast. I'm Brian Lomax. And I'm Josh Berger. And in today's episode, we're going to be discussing focus. Um, the way that we can start to break down this topic is to think of it both in terms of a shorter-term perspective as well as a longer-term perspective, um, where when it comes to a shorter-term perspective, we can um, sort of break it down into a couple of different ways. Um, one would be focus, really trying to focus on the moment and not being um, stuck or thinking about things that have happened in the past, which can be rather challenging in tennis because of um, the instant feedback that you receive. And after each point, you've either lost or won. Um, So being able to reset and continue getting back to the present moment and also not thinking about the future while you're at it. Um, And what if I win this match? What if I get broken in this game? Getting into those what if scenarios, thinking about the future, but constantly trying to come back to that present moment. So we'll definitely dive into that. And also that focus on the controllables, Um, just trying to focus on those things that you can control, not getting distracted by everything else out of your control, whether that be the weather, whether that be things that the opponent is doing, um, an umpire in certain situations or fans um, or court conditions. So really trying to hone in on what is possible to control and how can uh, we go about doing our best job of controlling that. So thinking about focusing on the moment, thinking about focusing on those things that you can control, um, some are more of a a shorter term um, focus in terms of playing in a match or competing, um, but also thinking a little bit more about longer term focus and really trying to focus on that process and not get derailed from that improvement process um, by the ups and downs um, of, of tennis, right? Of winning matches or losing matches or injuries, but really trying to focus on that long-term development process. Um, so Brian, where do you, when, when you think about this topic, where, where do you generally begin? I think recognizing how important focus is to to performance it's in some ways it's it's almost everything right so if we conceptualize this as full focus and we also have to recognize that we are as human beings our ability to fully focus on those things that you mentioned being in the present or the now focusing on the controllables which is a lot about you know me or you what you do what i do um that's hard to do so, you know, if we were to look at somebody's focus ability, there's probably some small percentage, and for others it may be more than a small percentage, that's going to things that are out of our control or in the past or in the future. So we'll almost think of it as like a pie chart. And you have two, basically just two categories in this pie chart, focusing on things that I can control and focusing on things that I cannot control. Um, and depending on who you are, you may have, you know, the size of those pieces of the pie may, may be different. I've gotten answers from anywhere from 10% of the things I focus on are out of my control to 50%. Um, and so part of, I think, the journey of a tennis player is to try to get better at focusing on the things that we can control, right? Present moment and us, right? What we, what we do. Um, but go into it realizing that that's what it is. It's, I don't think anybody really gets to a hundred percent. Maybe they do for moments. Um, but that's obviously what we're, we're striving to do. Um, and our ability to focus is not infinite either. 
it needs breaks. You know, that's why we're fortunate, I, I think, at Tennis Josh, that we actually have a point where we, we, we play and then when we stop. And we play and when we stop. It's very difficult to have full focus for, say, an hour and a half or two hours. So the structure of the sport is, is, is if used correctly, and, we, you know, we have a good episode on how to play one point at a time, if used correctly, uh, you don't, your, your focus ability won't get sort of exhausted over the course of a match. You'll be able to focus for just short periods of time. There's a college football coach at Penn State named James Franklin. He has a, uh, something that he tells his team that he just wants them to focus for six seconds at a time. Give him full focus for six seconds at a time. And that's something we can all do. You know, you could do that in a tennis match. Maybe it's 10 seconds. Maybe it's fewer than 10 seconds. Um, but it's a nice little time frame that you can bring full focus and then rest. Recover from that and, and then go on. Um, so I think full focus is a really important part of this. Now, what's some of the things that, you know, we've been using the word inevitability a lot recently, right? There's, you inevitably will get distracted. Uh, the, the sport does that to you. Maybe the environment does that to you. You might be comparing yourself to somebody else. You might be worried about who's watching. You might be worried about the wind. Uh, something may happen. You miss an easy shot. Opponent makes a difficult call. Um, and how do we deal with that, right? So uh, the late sports psychologist Terry Orlick talked about this skill as being the most important skill at the elite level, and he called it distraction control, the ability to know that you have been distracted and get back to full focus on what you need to do. Um, and, and what he noted was that elite athletes do this better. They're faster at going from maybe a distracted mind to a focused mind. Um, and so that's something for, you know, we can start to go through this a little bit more in terms of how one does that. But um, I think, you know, when you ask me, how do we conceptualize this? I'm thinking about the ability to fully focus on what you're doing, knowing that it's hard to get there 100% of the time, but then also having some um, techniques or strategies to control distractions as much as you can. Absolutely. And I, I, I'm happy you brought up the inevitability piece. And that is definitely something we've talked about because I think it's important for athletes to understand that you know, that there are going to be those ups and downs. There are going to be those moments where you get distracted. So the key is not just to avoid distractions, but thinking about what is your response going to be when it does happen, because it may happen more or less to you as a, as an athlete, but it will happen. And the key is, okay, when that, when it does happen, let's get back to, um, to that equilibrium or let's get back to where we want to be in terms of coming back to that present moment. Um, when it's sometimes talking about mindfulness um, and, you know, that it goes a lot with thinking about that present moment, um, that whole process of mindfulness and meditation in, in a certain way is, is coming back to that moment where, okay, I'm thinking about, you know, the, the thinking about the future, you know, what if this happens, what am I going to do if, if fill in the blank or, you know, why did I do blank and a lot of ruminating on, things from the past or the future. And as soon as you're aware of that, as soon as you're aware that that's where your thoughts are, 
coming back to that present moment and being present. Maybe you're focusing on the breath or focusing on your thoughts or physical sensations. Um, and then all of a sudden you notice, okay, I'm lost in thought again in thinking about the past or the future. And again, I'm coming back to that present moment and that that whole process is not just about, yes, it would be great to be in the present moment more. And that can certainly be trained, but that, that process is also just as much about that process of coming back to the, to the moment where, okay, I'm thinking about something else and then I'm coming back and then I'm thinking about something else and I'm coming back. And it's that constant almost push and pull of let's get back to that moment and let's train that, um, that feeling. And as it relates to tennis, um, it's that same thing, right? It's, are we distracted and we stay in that mode of being distracted or are we distracted? We notice it. And then we're able to come back to that, to the moment, to what's important now and really thinking about, okay, what is important now? It's not me fixating on the quality of the courts in this moment. It's not me being annoyed of of the wind or the sun in my eyes. Uh, What's important now is probably, you know, my strategy going into this next point or my mindset um, or whatever I'm trying to do in this upcoming point in, in the moment with that next point. So it's a lot about, okay, knowing that that's going to happen and then having a response planned out. Um, maybe it's the breath, maybe it's certain self-talk that you use so that you can c- keep coming back to the present moment and really be aware and focused uh, on what you're trying to do for that upcoming point. I think a good distraction control plan has a, a lot of the elements that you just talked about, Josh. And, and I would encourage people to do this exercise I'm going to talk about, uh, you know, just to give yourself some scaffolding that you could build on uh, to create a, a plan and, and understand. So something like the wind is, uh, is a distraction that many people don't uh, or distracts many people, right? They don't particularly like the wind. Um, feel they don't play well, etc. Um, and so I think there are four elements to your distraction control plan that you want to think about. And, and you mentioned, I think, almost all of these in passing, but if we give it some structure that people can plan out, then they can do this for any distraction that they have. So number one is um, start with the end in mind. How do you want to play? Ultimately, how would you like to perform when the wind, right? Again, the inevitability, there will be a a windy day in your future. Um, So knowing that that is the case, um, how would you ideally like to perform? So that's starting with the end in mind. And then based on that, we want to have a specific attitude or self-talk. We want to have specific emotions and we want to have uh, a particular focus. So when it's a windy day, how do you want to talk to yourself about that? Like, what is the attitude? What's the productive attitude toward the wind? It could be similar to Andre Axi. I love the wind. It could be the wind doesn't bother me. Something instead of, oh, shoot, it's windy out. I hate playing in the wind. That right leads to different things. So when you have that self-talk or a productive attitude, it helps you construct better emotions in the moment. We've talked about the theory of constructed emotions in the past. Um, And what that says is basically that the brain is a prediction machine. And the better perspectives that we give the brain, the better it can predict. So very often when we see a windy day 
and our brain starts to run through all these scenarios of what could happen, many of us get fixated on the negative outcome scenarios. And therefore, that drives specific emotions within us. If we can think about uh, simulating better scenarios, and that's why we start with the end in mind. This is how I want to play. Then we're, we're getting our simulations around that. Um, we, can, we can construct better emotions. And perhaps with something like the wind, it could be calm or confident or excited. You know, those emotions are going to be really specific to you. Uh, we all have different sort of optimal emotional states and it's, you know, we can't give you a specific formula. You have to kind of know that yourself a little bit. Um, and then it comes down to what you were saying, Josh, maybe it's focusing on the breath, your body language, your effort, your attitude, um, simplifying your game, having better targets, you know, adjusting for that. But it all comes down to the present moment stuff and, and what we can control. And I think the more people plan that out, the more you'll come down to, the, I think, this formula. You'll have some sort of performance that you, you feel is ideal. Um, it's a positive performance. You're playing kind of the way you want to. Your attitude will be positive and productive. Your emotions will be productive. And you'll be focusing on the things that you can control. When, when you're distracted, it tends to be more attitude is not productive, maybe negative or destructive. Emotions are not productive. You're not engaging with your best emotional state, tending to focus a little bit too much on things you can't control, and therefore the quality of the performance is not what we would exactly want. You might still win or play okay, but probably not as satisfying as, as it would be if you really specifically plan this out. So things like wind are distractions you should think about, um, but even pressure situations, maybe deuce points, playing tiebreakers. Um, just the, the fact that when you get in those situations, result-oriented thinking comes into mind often, and that's a distraction because you can't control that aspect of it. So how do you deal with pressure moments? You can use this same structure to go, to go through that and then bring yourself back to the present and bring yourself back to the controllables. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's a great, a great tool for, for people to be using. Um, I think athletes should be thinking about, um, you know, what what sort of process, if, if we're in a match, can they use to, you know, continue coming back to that present moment? I think, you know, we've talked a lot about, about routines in this show um, and, you know, how can we develop a routine that where we can quickly move on from whatever that last point, whatever happened in that last point. So, you know, you either won or lost that last point. Um, let's react in a positive way. Then let's, you know, come back into that present moment and, and through some relaxation, through some breathing, and then get into that stage of, okay, let's prepare for that next point. Let's get into that ritual, that, that server serving ritual or return ritual. Um, and what that really does is, is it, it helps to, to give you some, some more focus in that moment, um, where it, it's so easy to, remain stuck on whatever just happened in that last point. And sometimes it's something really unfortunate happened, right? Maybe it's, you know, from, from your perspective, maybe it's the opponent hit the ball off, you know, and it hit off the, the net cord and trickled over into your side of the net. Maybe they made a call that you disagree with and you think they're, they're cheating or you think there's some sort of gamesmanship. Um, maybe you're, you know, missing some, some shots that you don't expect to be missing. There's a lot of things that can frustrate a tennis player, as we all know. 
But the key is through using a routine, um, by resetting in between each point, you can best give yourself the best possible chance to own the moment and to have more focus in the moment on what you can do for that upcoming point rather than being stuck in whatever's happened in the past, which is where, unfortunately, a lot of people stay. A lot of people stay in, stuck on there for rather than just thinking about that point happened and being able to reset, you're thinking about it games later. Yeah. Uh, and I think when we're thinking that way, Josh, we tend to be more emotional. Right. Um, Absolutely. We're bringing more emotions into it. And I know that I think people can get conflicting advice about emotions between points. There will be some people who will tell you, yeah, you need to celebrate and, and really show that um, and so forth. And I think to a certain degree that that's okay. Um, although it can also get above a certain point. Like I would like people to be sort of within a range of emotions and try not to get too high and not to get too low. Um, you know, one of my favorite quotes from uh, the famous college basketball coach, John Wooden, is that you know, emotionalism opens us up to inconsistency. And um, and what's really happening there is we're, we're judging things, labeling things. And, and now we're carrying sort of this emotional baggage with us through points. Um, and so it's almost like you're dragging, you know, luggage, like at an airport, you've got like 50 bags with you and you're dragging that all along. And that can really weigh you down in a match. Um, and so I think we have to um, be careful of that. And you brought up mindfulness. And one of the things I've been working on a lot with players recently is through some mindfulness study, but is this concept of equanimity. Now, equanimity may not be a word everybody's familiar with, but essentially from its roots, it means balanced mind. And um, it's something that we want to have as tennis players because – for us to navigate the scoring system of points, games, sets, all that adding up to a match, we really have to be quite balanced in order to handle the ups and downs of that. You know, we talked about the inevitability of distractions. Well, it's inevitable that you will lose your equanimity if you think of a balanced mind. Um, and this is actually something that the famous uh, Roman emperor and philosopher Marcus Aurelius talked about in, in meditations, this idea of when you get thrown off, um, it's your job basically to try to get yourself back to a balanced mind as quickly as possible. And then the more that you practice this, uh, the faster and faster it will happen. Um, and so the unbalanced mind does tend to be more emotional. And so even practicing, yes, mindfulness, but look into a topic like equanimity and the idea of having that balanced mind, having that um, even-keeled perspective to everything that happens to you? Can you let some things roll off more easily, perhaps, than, than you have in the past, knowing that um, whatever that thing is, it's just a distraction from you reaching your ultimate objective of winning the match, you know? And I think that's one way to continue your equanimity is really having a vision of what you're trying to achieve or a vision of who you're trying to be out there. Um, so I think that's a really, to me, that's been a, a kind of a cool concept to be working on 
with with athletes to help them understand that emotional journey through a, through a tennis match and and see if they can get back to equanimity faster. And a big part of having equanimity is is the idea of accepting that whatever's happened has happened. And the more that you can accept that, the more you can move on in, into the present moment and again back to um, working on you and working on what you can do. Oh, that's, uh, I mean, to me, one of the things that help, that, that can help uh, tennis players find more of that equanimity is keeping things in perspective. Um, understanding that this tennis match, although it seems really, really important right now, um, is just one match in a, you know, in a lifetime of matches, but, you know, even in, in a smaller perspective, one match over the course of a season, perhaps for college tennis or high school tennis or USTA um, on a USTA team. Um, and, you know, I, I, I know with, with some athletes, perhaps maybe they're going through the college recruiting process and each match feels a lot more important than that. Maybe they're thinking about their UTR and they say, Hey, you know, with, with each match I play, it could, my UTR is going up or going down and I have certain goals in terms of the type of university I'd like to play at, or I need a certain UTR. They, they believe they need a certain UTR to um, be on certain teams. And rather than being able to maintain that perspective and, um, you know, understanding that this one match is not make or break, it feels a lot more important than that. So I, I, I would say as soon as you can start to keep things into perspective and maybe find ways to remind yourself of that, that this one match is not make or break for um, recruiting or for your career, then it's easier to let things roll off you, to win and lose points or win and lose games and let the ups and downs of a match occur and not come back with an emotional response because you don't feel as threatened by a result that you're um, that, that, that you're not happy with, right? You you understand that losing does happen at times, and that rather than trying to control the outcome of the match, it's better to focus on those things that are actually within your control um, and make process goals accordingly. So I, I would say by by keeping things in perspective can go a long way to achieving that goal of equanimity. I think also another thing to keep in perspective, like the UTR example is good. Um, but, you know, if you're 16, 17, hate to say it, the UTR is important. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how do you balance that? Uh, knowing that it's important, but also not letting it drive your emotional state. You know, I said to somebody the other day, um, doesn't it feel weird to have some algorithm that's sitting on a server in like San Jose, California? determine your emotional state day to day and she sort of laughed and yeah but then she's like but but my uh, UTR just went down (laughs) so um I think one thing that we can realize is even though perhaps these things are real and they're they're there that focusing on them does not help performance it impedes it um it's just even back to basic focusing on the process versus focusing on results. You know, something like UTR or the outcome of a college match, um, they're important, of course, but when you think more about those things, you're not actually giving yourself something to do. And you just mentioned process goals. 
um, as, as a way of maybe bringing yourself back, right? Having good process goals. And this is something that, um, I think Dan Abrahams, he's a sports psychologist in the UK, typically works in, um, in soccer, premier league soccer, other soccer clubs or English football. Um, he talks about process goals, maybe in a, perhaps a more user friendly way. And he calls them plays. And the idea is that you, you write up these three plays for yourself and you're trying to execute these three plays all the time. And they can be as simple as having great body language and great effort on the court. That might be one of your plays. Another play might be to use your heavy topspin forehand to continually drive the opponent back. Right? That could be more of a, a tactical play that you use. Um, one, you, another one you could use is breathe and believe. That's a very USTA player development approach to uh, you know what you're doing between points. And so the more specific that your plays are, um, the better. And then what you're, you're trying to do here to help with all of this, to stay uh, with a balanced mind, is continually just focus and talk to yourself about your three plays. That's the most important thing. And, and hopefully these three plays that you've designed are you know, crafted in such a way that they help you to bring out good performance. And so it really should be about you as, you know, based on your style, based on what works for you, based on emotions that work for you. So some people might want to have high intensity, high energy. Others might be want to be calm in, in, in certain moments, right? So think about that. Maybe instead of thinking of them as process goals, think about that these are your three plays. These are the plays that you're going to use to be sick, be as focused and as successful as possible uh, on a on a given day. Yeah, that's. I, I think that that's great, and I think what's important is coming up with that and then finding ways to remind yourself of of those plays. Yeah. Um, maybe it's a note card that that you keep in in your tennis bag, which is something we've discussed in the in the past. Um, maybe it's you know even something that you. Uh, you know, write on your shoe or, you know, have a little sticker on your racket, some sort of way to remind yourself. So in the heat of the moment, when there's, you know, you're feeling more pressure, um, then you can think back to those plays and think back to those things that you really want to focus on. Um, So coming up with reminder systems for yourself can go a long way to ensuring that you are able to think back to um, those things you really want to focus on when, you know, when your heart is beating a little faster and when, when there's a lot more pressure in that moment. Yeah. Cause you have to be your own coach. This is, if, if we were in another sport, perhaps uh, somebody could be the human reminder for us. Right. Um, one thing to consider when designing these plays, and this is another dimension of focus we have not talked about, but there, are, there's internal focus and external focus. So internal focus, especially for a tennis player might be thinking about specific technique mechanics. Um, you know, what's the backswing like? What's my footwork like, etc. External tar- external focus could be on on targets, might be uh, you know, where am I trying to hit the ball over the net? Where am I trying to get the ball to land? Um, or it might be even watching the ball. That's an external focus, right? So it's external to you. When you're designing your three plays, you want to try to not focus on technique. That will typically lead to overthinking of what you're doing. And, and a lot of these things that you're doing on the court, we want you to do them in an automatic fashion. 
Um, so if I tell somebody, okay, I want you to really focus on your backswing today as part of your game plan, that can get them overthinking what they're doing as they're bringing their racket back. Is it right? Does it feel right? Um, and then that, that starts to break down the fluidity and the smoothness of the stroke. But if I say, okay, I really want you to focus on the spin of the ball, or I want you to focus on uh, the target over the net, then that's external to them. How they do that, they will know how to do that. They'll let their automatic sort of skill uh, development or, or you know, just the automatic skills take over and they make that happen um, as a goal. So I just want to make sure that we're not really focused on technique when we're designing those three plays. We want to have the focus to be more external. Now, that could change, of course, when we, let's say, in practice, we may not call them plays. In practice, let's go back to our normal terminology of process goals. Certainly a process goal in practice could be technical, especially as you're maybe in a training phase where you're working on the technique of a particular shot and you need to be thinking about that and learning it and, um, and overlearning it to a point where it will be automatic uh, at some point. So I'm not sure what you think of that, Josh, in terms of like the internal and external dimensions of, of, of focus. I, I think you brought up a good point in saying that when when you come up with those plays, they shouldn't be based on technique because that can actually um, that, that can impact the fluidity of your shot of you know of, of your motion with with a forehand with a backhand whatever it may be um, and and in my experience it could also um, cause somebody to second guess themselves yeah. um, where on the practice court where there's less consequences for missing a shot. Um, even in a practice match, that then maybe, yes, you, you do want to be focused on the technique or a certain aspect of the swing. Um, but during a match, you want to be focused on those things that are um, inside your control and, yeah, ex- external, as you said. Uh, so it's easily observable. And it's, it's very easy for tennis players when they're thinking about too many technical things. Um, you start to tighten up. You stop playing loose in the way that you want to. And you end up not, you know, not having the type of result that you want to, because, I mean, when you're able to to play loose and achieve that sort of fluidity that you're talking about, Brian, um, that, that's when you're ultimately going to be playing your best. And if you're, if it's time to hit a forehand and you're thinking about your footwork and you're thinking about getting the racket back and you're thinking about that point of contact and that follow through and all these details, all these technical details. It, it can become a paralysis by analysis type of situation where it's actually very tough to to uh, execute the shot in the way that you want to. And you're going to be tightened up and you're going to be likely holding your breath or gripping the racket too tight. So by, you know, trying to stay loose, which can also be a process goal, um, rather than focusing on one of these technical details when you're out competing can go a long way to achieving that sort of a mindset and to, you know, if you're loose throughout your swings, you're going to be playing in a more relaxed way that more often than not will lead to some better results. Yeah. And when you talk about second guessing, what's the mental skill that, that that's harming is, is confidence. So um, because you, your stroke may be breaking down. You're having doubts about that stroke. You're losing confidence in that in that moment. Um, one of the great ways to build confidence, though, is through focus. Is through trusting your process and really committing 
to that. Um, having the courage to trust your process. Uh, so, you know, as you're thinking about how do I be more fully focused, how do I integrate that with more confidence in myself as a competitor, more belief in myself as a competitor, focus is a key aspect of that. Focus on your process. Focus on specific areas of your training. And the more that you do that, um, the more confidence that you'll build over time. Uh, because you'll begin to trust what you're doing. You'll begin to see results through this idea of being focused on the moment, focusing on the controllables. Um, and so that's, you know, if we go back to something we talked about with David Samuel, um, this is where you start to develop that, that level of professionalism, that level of locker room power is by having great process. Great process leads to confidence great process is a part of your full focus. So the more that we're looking on that, that present moment, what we can control, and then how do we improve ourselves in those areas slowly over time, um, you're going to develop yourself into a great competitor and somebody who can really focus point to point to point and be relentless. You know, most people most players, I would say, can focus pretty well for periods of time and then they may go away for periods of time. Um, and I think you see that less and less at the pro level, but it does happen. We were talking before we started to record about the match at this past year's U.S. Open between Andy Murray and Stefanos Tsitsipas. And Tsitsipas uh, went for a bathroom break after the third set. Murray was distracted and, and not happy with this. And in fact, when we talked to David Samuel, he, he brought this example up and, and, and Andy Murray didn't handle it well. He was not able to regain his focus and he dropped his serve quite early in that fourth set after the break. And uh, you, know, you can't do that against a top player like CeCe Paz. CeCe Paz wins the set, he wins the fifth. Um, and perhaps, you know, if Andy Murray had, had been more match ready because he's really on the way back. Wouldn't say he's fully back. He's getting closer, of course. Um, but perhaps if he had been more match ready, he would have handled that situation better. But he was he was distracted by that. Um, so the more that we can be focused on the, the now, the process, building our confidence in that process, um, the better we'll be able to, to handle distractions and, and stay fully focused on what's important. No, that's, that's a great point. Um, also, when it comes to the process, um, I, I think having having that sort of longer-term development plan and that vision for the future can make it a lot easier to with, withstand the, the inevitability, the inevitable ups and downs of, that, of tennis development, right? Knowing that there will be times where you're really noticing the improvements that you're making. There will be times where maybe you feel that you've plateaued. There'll be times that you're struggling and you're in a slump or you're not winning matches, or maybe you're going through an injury and keeping that vision on the process and looking back to that development plan, um, or maybe adjusting it if need be, um, can help keep you focused on the day-to-day -day mission or on the day-to-day -day training that you need to do. So if, if you have, you know, if you have the understanding that rather than me focused on 
the outcome all the time. And yes, there are moments where the outcome is really important or rankings and ratings are, are certainly important. Um, but understanding that by um, staying focused on that development process, that's going to give me the best possible chance to develop in the way that I want to, to focus on each aspect of my game, the technical aspect, the strength and conditioning aspect, the mental aspect. Um, and that, you know, when, when something derails you or you have something else going on in your life or you have an injury, then that, that sort of returning to um, the process or returning to the now can be a, a very helpful tool to reminding yourself of what's important, reminding yourself of what you need to do now, right? What, what's important in this moment. Okay. I, I have, you know, a lot going on in my life and maybe it's, you know, academic or maybe it's um, in your career, but okay. And in, in, in terms of my tennis development, what do I need to do right now? Is it the strength and conditioning piece that maybe I've fallen behind with that, I really need to focus on, right? Maybe it's a player coming back from an injury and they really need to focus on that rehab process. Um, or maybe it's, you know, some, some mental aspect that um, they identified needs to really be focused on in order to get to where they want to get with, with their development. So by keeping that long-term perspective and coming back to that process, when you play a bad match and, you know, and, and lose maybe a match that you, weren't expecting to lose or somebody with a lower rating. Let's get back to that process and, um, you know, that longer term vision for where we want to be um, so that that one match doesn't derail us in terms of where we're ultimately heading. When you were talking about that topic there, Josh, or, um, it reminded me of the Eric Buderak TEDx talk um, where it's about having one great day and then having a streak of great days, but you still have this vision of, of what you would like to, to achieve to a certain extent. You know, I think he, his talk was more about just simply focus on having a great day. Um, but even to do that, I think you do have to have some concept of where you'd like to go, who you'd like to be. Um, because you could set, if you're only focused on one day at a time, with no vision at all, yeah, I mean, you could set completely irrelevant goals for the day, possibly, uh, or inconsistent goals from day to day, and you might be jumping all over the place. So I do think you have to have some sort of vision of who you want to be as a player, um, and then the goal is to simplify it down into just simply having a great day. Um, and I think simplification or simplifying is a key philosophy here. Even for the three plays we just talked about, they should be simple things. They shouldn't be complex things that we do. So the, the, the simpler that you can keep your approach to what you're focusing on, the easier it will be to control. And then the more likely that you'll, you'll perform well. If you can keep your process goals in practice relatively simple so that you, you understand exactly what you're trying to do, um, that will be much better in the long term. So I would say... Keep, uh, you know, simplify in mind as you go through the process and understand what's involved in the process and focusing on that. Um, but especially uh, for your three plays that you want to incorporate into a match, make those nice and simple. They can just be about breathing and body language or attitude and effort or a particular um, weapon that you have that you can use to uh, start to make your opponent 
psychologically uncomfortable. Um, keep it nice and simple, and I think you'll find that uh, it will help keep out some of the distracting thoughts about whatever else is going on. I know that when I think about one of the matches, that one of my best matches ever, I stuck to my game plan, which was really simple, which was attacking this guy's backhand the entire time. Nothing distracted me from it. I'm not sure how I actually did it, um, but it worked so, so well. In the, regardless of what the score was, I stuck to it. I stuck to it. Um, and it was a very simple strategy, but it really worked. Um, and so just from personal experience, I know how keeping it simple to just a, one or two little things can be very beneficial to to performance and full focus. And it's it's going to be a lot easier to focus on you know, one or one or two things because um, ultimately, if we're if if one of those plays is okay, I want to serve out wide. I want to play. I want to uh, you know thinking rather than one or two shots, thinking three, four, five shots in to a certain play, um, or being you know overly specific with um, our mental approach, um, you know, rather than really honing it down into one big, big idea. Um, it, it, it's a lot tougher to really access that when you need to in a, in a match in a competitive environment. So I, I, I think that's a great point. And I think, um, you know, writing, writing those things down, looking back at them, you know, figuring out ahead of time, when am I going to, um, really think about those plays? When am I really going to think about what I want my mindset to be or whatever those reminders are and planning that out ahead of time? Maybe it's the night before. Maybe it's um, on the way to a match or right before a match. Maybe it's on certain changeovers or on a set break. But as much as you can plan that out, it leaves less room to, um, you know, there's less that, that can go wrong in that situation the more that that is planned out. Um, so I, I think that's a great point that by simplifying that process, it's a lot easier to access um, those key ideas, that those key plays that, that you want to run during a match. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said earlier, having reminder systems is really key. Tape on the racket, index cards, whatever that is, <clears throat> so that you're, you are constantly feeding your mind these simple ideas that you want to continue to focus on because uh, it can be very easy to get, get distracted. So, Josh, as we start to wrap up, this topic of focus, full focus, any, any last thoughts for the listeners? I think it's, I think it's helpful to think back to maybe two, two moments. One, one, a, a situation where you really felt focused, you really felt in control of the moment. Maybe it was a, you know, sort of a flow state situation where you felt very locked in to that particular moment, very, you probably correlated to you playing well. And then another situation where you didn't and you felt distracted. You look back at that match. You think, okay, I wasn't really able to reset or I was stuck on something that happened earlier in the match or thinking about what might happen. Um, and really think about those two matches, those two situations that you've had and try to identify, okay, what did I do differently here? what what worked or what didn't work as well and then what led to those results and i think starting at that point and um i think starting at that point it's easier to identify some of these things that we're talking about that focusing on the moment and focusing on what can actually be controlled and focusing on the process more long term 
um, are what ultimately are going to lead to the best possible results. And again, there's no guaranteeing victory ever in this sport or in, in life in general, but gives you the best possible chance to perform at a high level, to perform at your highest level. No, this is a great idea. Compare and contrast your best performance and maybe not such a good performance and really focus in on the dimension of focus and what was the difference between those two that probably provide a lot of good information. So I think that's a great, great suggestion for, uh, for people. It's quite easy for everybody to do. Right. So Josh, great discussion. Thanks for uh, going through that with, with us uh, on, on focus. So thank you all for listening. For more on today's episode, please check out the show notes. If you have any feedback or questions for me and Josh, please email us at tennisiqpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use the Twitter hashtag TennisIQ. Additionally, please subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice, including YouTube, so you can be notified of new episodes. And also, please check out our Instagram page. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon in our next episode.